0: The origin of this feast was when there was conflict in Rome between Mussolini and Pope Pius XI, 1924. It was the beginning of the end of the papal estates. There was conflict between the church and the state. And Pope Pius wanted to get the point across that you're messing with the wrong institution because we're not just a church we're under the guidance of the king of the universe and indeed that was the title of this feast day christ the king the christ the king of the universe it was a political statement with obviously religious and theological overtones but how do we relate to jesus christ prince of peace today Jesus Christ, King of the universe. We got two sides of Jesus. We got the human, we got the extraordinarily spiritual. And we touch on both of those today in the readings. Jesus' historical family goes back to King David. And here we hear from the book of Samuel, David was a strong leader, Israel would divide it into tribes, the north and the south, and they were weak in a sense because they didn't have a cohesive leader like the other nations around them did. They heard about David's success in battle and his personality, that he would care for the people that were fighting with him and for him and the kingdom. And they all gathered together These are the tribes. These were the Israelites before they were united as a people. There were various tribes. And they were led, each of them, by different leaders that they called judges. But one ruler they didn't have until they heard about David. David was a young boy when he met his nemesis, Saul, who was king at that point. And David was a harp player, a musician. It seems that Saul was a probably bipolar, manic depressive otherwise. And when he found David in his camp playing the harp, he found that very soothing. And we know that as a matter of fact today, and people who are depressed relate to soothing music, calm ideas, poetry, meditation. So he hired David to represent him, to play and soothe him. And one day, the Jews under Saul were fighting the Philistines, one of the many, many, many battles. And the Philistines had one gimmick, a giant, Goliath, if you remember. And one day, Goliath comes on the scene and says, basically, Philistines against the Israelites, um, send me a best man. We'll fight to the death. Best guy wins the war. So Saul had nobody that was willing to step up. Except naive, innocent David. Don't forget, he's an ancestor of Jesus, but he doesn't know Jesus. He's about 14, 15 years old. And he says to Saul, I'll do it. He was a shepherd boy. He knew how to take care of his flock. All All of these are key elements in the role that he will take on and the role that he will give to Jesus in a sense. So he remembers as a little shepherd boy, protecting his flock from the wolves with his slingshot. So Saul says, it's not going to work. You can't go out there against him with a slingshot. And he says, just trust me, trust me. So he says, okay, I'll give you my armor in case Goliath decides to stab you, at least my armor will protect you. So it's, I can just see this happening. He puts his, Saul puts his own armor on little skinny David, and it literally falls right off. You can just see this happening. So here is David dressed in, shepherds clothes watching the armor fall off and he says to basically god is with me and that was a key phrase a key idea this is the nameless god this is this is yahweh this is there's no statues no images of it so it's pure faith in the, the origin of the abrahamic god yahweh He goes out, I think you know the story, Donatello has a beautiful sculpture of this in Florence, and uh, Bernini has another magnificent sculpture of this, also in Florence and one in Rome. And David swings his rope and throws the rock against the giant, smacks him in the forehead, down for the count david goes and picks up his own sword and decapitates goliath now people hear this and this is the beginning of his popularity now run to hebron where the people all the people of israel the pro- the tribes know he's there, they know he's capable, they know he's a good leader, know he's a good warrior, and he's grown up now. And they do something very unique that still is done today in the church. They anoint him, they pour oil on his head. Every Tuesday we have anointing of the sick here at church. This is a different kind of anointing. This is the same anointing that a priest would have or a bishop would have when they're ordained. And they anointed him as their leader and they said we place all our trust in you that's the beginning of the unification of israel under david david plays a key role in israelite history he's a savior not like jesus would be but he's a savior the word salvation has double meaning, one, to save people, but also to forgive and heal people. He's a savior in many ways. And time goes on as we hear in the scriptures and Jesus is born. Next week, we celebrate the first Sunday of Advent and Jesus is called son of David, the new son of David. The ancestor of David is a, about 1,000 a years between David and the birth of Jesus. Jesus doesn't know that as a child. His parents are a little unsure with the revelation of the angel, both to Mary and, and Joseph, as to who this kid is going to be. We jump ahead, leaving the crucifixion story of Luke, and we go to Colossians. And you wanna know who this kid is gonna be? This kid, and the author of the letter to the Colossians, places him in place, puts him in a position because of which we worship him. First of all, he delivered us from the power of evil. He's God's son. He is the physical image, the icon of the invisible God Yahweh. Who is this kid? He's the firstborn of all the creation, the new creation that starts because of him. To put him in proper perspective, the Colossians letter says, He was created. And in him were all things, heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones, angels, saints. All of it was created for and through this kid. Colossians doesn't say this kid, but we're talking about the child Jesus. He is before all things. He is the head of his body, the church. And now we see what we're doing when we gather at mass. We're here... We're not praising God, sometimes you hear, uh, I'm I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual, uh, or or I give my my belief to the universe, or stones, or I find peace in the ocean, but nowhere else. Letters of the Colossians says, get it straight, folks. This is the created son of the invisible God who himself is God and is created as a human being. Whatever you pray to, and, he, and he's directing his thoughts to the people of Colossae who were worshiping gods and goddesses and spirits and all these other things, and they didn't really believe in the power of Jesus Christ because he was a man, that wasn't strong enough. But the irony is God chooses to send his son as a human being. And that's not an accident that's so you and I have access to him and not only access to him in the holy scriptures and the sacrament but have access to him as a human being he knows us he feels our pain he knows loss he knows accomplishment Whatever any of us go through, he's there with us. That's why God, the Invisible One, became a human being, so he could identify with us. And today, we honor him as King of the Universe. But before he became King of the Universe and said amen to the Father, he was crowned with thorns. And his throne was the cross. The humanity of Jesus was given over completely to God the Father so that the divinity of Jesus, king of the universe, could once again be together as the incarnate God that he is. When Jesus bowed his head on the cross and died, That was a great gift to give God the Father back, to say, I know I'm human, I came for people, and I want to be one with them, so I put myself on the altar of the cross for all of them. And as I close my eyes, the Father has the last word and resurrects Jesus. Oh, they jeered at him because they were looking at Jesus, the man, We're here to look at Jesus, man, and God, the incarnate one. And we could say, yes, he's a great guy, and he does wonderful things, and he cured a bunch of people. Yes, but he's also the divine one who hears us, who relates to us, who even at the hour of our death or the death of those whom we love is with us yesterday i anointed a dear friend that i've known for 48 years she's been sick for about five and her illness was getting worse and worse when i saw her last week i said joanne i said i'm praying for you still still praying for you and she said louie i don't think the prayers are working because i'm getting worse every day that's the human That's the human in all of us. Prayer is not magic. Prayer is not snapping the wrist. Prayer is uniting ourselves to Jesus Christ, the Risen One. And when she was in a coma toward the last hours yesterday, I anointed her. She was unconscious. And I whispered the prayers into her ears so she knew I was there with her and then she passed during the night. She passed into the presence of Jesus Christ, King of the universe. It all comes together in faith for us standing out here. But we're at the cross of Jesus, we know he did it first. He gave him his life so that you and I could touch eternity. And through the sacraments of the Eucharist and sacraments of anointing, Joanne is touching eternity now as we speak. And that applies to any of those for whom you've prayed, especially during this month of all souls. We are in an unbelievably special position to be intimate with Jesus Christ any moment, any second of the day or night to speak to him. And we're not just speaking to the universe, not speaking to the clouds or a, a, a spirit out there. We're speaking to Jesus Christ, who became one of us, who guarantees us that he knows what we're going through, whether it's sickness or death or separation or loss of any kind. He's with us because he broke the bonds of death. He fulfilled his human goal by putting himself on the altar of the cross. And those who jeered him wanted something special. Come on, Jesus, get off the cross. You've saved everybody else. Save yourself. He is saving himself as he's dying on the cross. Be one with him. There's no stress. There's no anxiety. There's no experience of our lives that he does not know about. Speak to him. Remind him that you know who he is. Not Jesus the man, but Jesus the incarnate one, and today we celebrate his role as king of the universe.